Hello and welcome to the Center for Rural Health Research podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Lokusik. This is episode number two of our new podcast series, Innovation from the Edges, where we'll be exploring the resilience and ingenuity of rural and remote communities across BC in the face of the global COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we're joined by Sierra Acton, director of the Couch and Valley Regional District Area B, which includes Shawnigan Lake. As an elected official, Sierra has been at the forefront of dealing with a wide variety of issues in the Shawnigan Lake area for some time, giving her a uniquely broad perspective on how the pandemic has shaken up regional priorities and operations and how the community has responded. Would you say that's fair? That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Okay. So, Sierra, you know, thank you so much again for for joining us today and taking the time out. I know you must be very busy. Well, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So I wonder if we could start off by you telling our listeners a little bit about the Shawnigan Lake area uh, for those of us who haven't been. Well, Shawnigan Lake is a resort town, I guess you could call it. It's uh, most of the population is around the lake. So that's kind of the heart of our community or for many. Anyway, we're larger than 70 percent of the cities in BC. So we are operating under an interesting political system for our size. We are considered rural, but we could be considered a a village or a city. We have 8,500 people in the area. So some, there's some farms, some high density and some, some, a village. So we have a little bit of everything. And how has the feeling in Shawnigan Lake changed since the beginning of the pandemic? Well, I think at first, there was a, a lot of uncertainty, so a bit of high anxiety. And we, well, the campaign that we're going to talk about was very reactive to the situation. Right now, people are, it's a lot calmer. There's a lot more understanding. We feel like there's a bit of relief coming. And because we are rural, we're able to take advantage of nature. And mm-hmm. so we do see a lot less traffic and a lot less people out, but we are also able to you know, take care of our own mental health. And it's been nice most of the time. So we've been able to enjoy the outdoors and and just kind of enjoy the slow pace. Yeah. And that's such a critical aspect you're touching on already is is kind of this, this sense of, of coping with all this uncertainty and also the, the sudden disruption of how we live and work and everything else. So, I mean, obviously you touched on a, a big one, which is accessing nature, but how are people kind of coping in your community? Well, I think that's pretty broad. <laughs> and some people are going out, some people there and then there is a lot of anxiety of no one going out. Where I've had emails from people upset about people using the trails, sending me pictures of the parking lot full. Mm. Uh, you know, not a, a total understanding of, you know, as long as we're keeping our distance, we're fine, we're outside. So there's that high anxiety, especially from the high risk groups. And then um you know, you still see a few teenagers kind of hanging out together and that's important for them too. So it's, it's, it's tough. And a lot of people are commuters here too. So then all of a sudden they are part of the community or how, you know, how do they fit in? In the past, we've been very connected on social media as a community mm-hmm. because of past political issues. Mm. So we are well connected. And then, but then there's always the people who are not so connected. I mean, also, as, of course, a regional director, uh, you are um, uniquely well positioned to have a very broad perspective, not just what people are doing, but how organizations and, and institutions are responding in your area. So what's that kind of response been like at that level? 
So, I mean, like, for example, um, in other other areas of BC, we've found kind of not exactly brand new collaborations between, you know, public officials or emergency response groups, but they've come together and kind of working in a newer intensity or in new ways um, to collaborate around meeting needs of community members or organizations, you know, for example, people needing help picking up prescription drugs or groceries mm-hmm. or just generally mm-hmm. being prepared to socially isolate. Right. I haven't seen a lot of new organizations popping up, but mm. uh, people have banded together and kind of picked where their strengths are. The Rotary Club has gotten together. There's been a food hub that like a coalition of to make sure that the information's out there, who's doing what, who needs to ramp Mm -hmm, up mm -hmm. their efforts. Um, All the leaders are really staying connected. So and also the message that I've been giving people is to communicate out more. So right now is a time to over communicate. People need to hear from you and need to know that, you know, you're Maybe you're struggling, but you're still there. You're, you know, you're still part of the community and you're still um, sending that positive message. And uh, I mean, certainly one of the successful initiatives I've heard of from your neck of the woods, we've talked about this briefly before, was a fundraising initiative, uh, the Couch and Community Hearts campaign. Could you tell us a little bit more about what that was and how it kind of came to be? Sure. It happened right early on in our COVID uh, precaution time. The food bank closed. So it was a a reaction really quickly to uh, the food bank being a service that a lot of people depend on and being concerned about that. So we overnight almost had the idea of creating these lawn signs with a heart, with hope, gratitude and or sorry, love, gratitude, hope on it to be a symbol to the frontline workers. It's an idea that's also come from hearts in your windows in Mm -hmm. more urban areas. So. We're, we're experienced at making lawn signs here. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, within a couple of days, we had a Photoshop prototype, started taking orders, and the, the funds were going to our food programs, the food bank, and Nourish Cowichan. But mostly Nourish Cowichan, they are a program that delivered lunches to kids at schools. And because schools were closed down and schools weren't resuming after March break, we were really concerned about those vulnerable kids in the community who depended on that service. So we supported that and raised uh, $20,000. And so what was the community response like? Did you find that it kind of took on a life of its own right away? Or was it uh, something you were kind of posting at the grocery store about? Or We did it mostly on social media. Mm. Like I had said, we're pretty connected there. Right. And a lot of groups sharing it. Yeah, no, we weren't promoting it at the grocery store but then once they went out so we got our initial order over the first weekend and then the about a week after we had started the program the first batch of lawn signs went out and then uh, it took off it came to a natural decline and we we have actually stopped the program because there was only a a few of us doing it right 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 uh, you know volunteers are 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 a precious commodity so i don't want to see see my team and, and those who support me especially in this case, the Shawnee and Residents Association, yeah, burn out over this because putting one lawn sign takes the same amount of effort as 100. So we had to bring it to a close. But I mean, at least you're bringing it to a close having been wildly successful. <laughs> so that's right. that's great. And, and that said, though, we are still not capable of getting the message out to everyone. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I struggle as a director we've, or as a community. Do we need a, a billboard hat? Like there's always people that you just can't get to. Mm-hmm. And especially here where some, a lot of, we're just outside of Victoria. So a lot of people are vacation owners 
and how do we get to them? So we really struggle. And our newspaper, our local newspaper is actually a really good source. But because of COVID, they canceled that edition because all the advertisers had backed out. So it just came to an end. And we were really reluctant to ask people more than once mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at this time. And that's something that uh, has been kind of highlighted a couple of times, again, in previous conversations where uh, the hard to reach become even more hard to reach. If your people are maybe not so much online or not physically present and that you also mm -hmm. can't go knock on the door right now so much, right? Because of the social distancing exactly. thing. So how do you, yeah, well, what so are you left with? Mouth, Facebook and word of mouth is really strong here. That's always the, the two. And probably word of mouth is the strongest, even though we're rural. So when we do have an event that's really successful, that it's been word of mouth. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe people weren't out there, you know, chatting at the coffee shop and, you know, talking with their neighbors so much. But that's that's the message we're mm -hmm. trying to send to people now is just make sure you're checking on your neighbors, make sure you're getting outside and do something kind. And there's a lot of really great things happening still in the community, people supporting each other. And I mean, uh, you know, fundraising is, is always uh, a challenging prospect doubly so right now with uh, people relying so heavily on, you know, things like food banks and other services that, you know, might be a little cash trapped at the best of times. Um, but for other communities who might be looking to kind of raise funds and, and maybe model something like what you did, do you have any particular advice, like practical advice? Sure. Um, well, what's been successful for us this time and in the past is because you're actually, actually getting something. For your contribution and in this case it was a lawn sign and it's attractive and it has a nice message and you become part of the um what's the marketing term for it it's almost like a herd mentality or you're you become a pack like you become a group so you show everybody that you're a part of that and then people want to be belong so it gives that sense of belonging um so that would be my my fundraising uh people want to get acknowledged so then mm -hmm. they are also getting that acknowledgement that they contributed. And it's not necessarily saying I gave $25, I gave a hundred. It doesn't matter. It just means I gave mm -hmm. to this cause and we're part of this group now. So I think people like to get something and that's why bumper stickers are successful or pins or just getting something is, is a good way to do it. I think that's a very powerful idea. Yeah. The idea of, of making it kind of a social thing as well a way people can can show that they're involved in the community and you know they they support their neighbor and that also just makes people i think feel good walking around the community and seeing all these heart signs wow everyone's helping that's really nice i'm wondering if i may i might put you on the spot just a little bit and i'm sure i mean i've been thinking about this question a lot too i think it's probably been on the top of a lot of people's minds about their own communities what do you think life will be like at shawnigan lake after this is over there's how I think it might be or how I want it to be. I really hope that um, it doesn't stop people from hugging each other. Like, I just can't wait till we can come go out again. And there's so many people in the community that we've all stood. That's how we've actually come together. Uh, initially was we were protesting a contaminated soil dump in our community. So we've, we've stood shoulder to shoulder. We've cried together. We've, so the thought that we're not going to do that again is kind of, is uh, heartbreaking. So I hope that's not the case. I've heard things like handshakes will be <laughs> a thing of the past. Certainly, I'm sure coming out of this, because as we do lower the restrictions, we're not going to be completely out of the woods. So maybe that time frame, if that happens for a really long time, maybe we'll change our behavior and the way we interact will change. But hopefully at the end of it all, hugs will still be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so. And actually, speaking of hope, this brings me to one of the last questions I wanted to ask you. 
um, it's easy for people to feel vulnerable and anxious given the current situation. Uh, and I'm wondering what gives you hope? Well, the part that really gives me hope is at even globally, when we work together, what an amazing difference we can make. So I, you know, the trajectory and then the behavior that we're on right now is not sustainable. So I really hope that we have learned a lot of lessons and how we can actually work together and we could make a difference. And it's already in such a short amount of time, things are happening. Panda bears are mating and having babies when they <laughs> never did before. And yeah, so there's all these things happening with the climate and in mother nature. So I hope that we learn some lessons and carry them forward for sure. And that we don't just go back to business as usual. Absolutely. I mean, you know, all the all the fear and negativity of the situation aside, there are some really interesting lessons to be learned and things to observe, uh, you know, with regard to climate and things, people, you know, moving around less, buying less. And now my last question for you, um, I want to ask you, especially as a community organizer and leader, are there additional kind of resources or supports or programs that you're aware of that you think are not well enough known that you think people should use more, whether that's people in your own community or people, you know, across BC? Well, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots that people aren't aware of. I think it's just, uh, again, getting connected with your community and understanding mm -hmm. what, what resources are out there. You mentioned groups creating their own groups and, and that's what I would like to get away from in our community is we have so many groups. So let's, mm -hmm. let's not, let's work together. And sometimes there's groups who can just Kind of branch off and create their own like create another angle of it um well locally we have well we have the residents association who mm -hmm. has helped me and and locally if they were more connected with them because i'm still getting emails from people saying oh i'd like to have a, a sign mm -hmm. and it's well i'm sorry it's over and if you mm -hmm. were you know if we had known if you if we would have been able to get you the message sooner then uh, that would so my actually so my message to people would be just make sure you're getting your community information and that brings us to the end of today's episode sierra thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me today we really appreciate it you shared some wonderful perspectives uh, and experiences well thanks for having me uh, for our listeners out there, you can find this recording and future episodes on the Center for Rural Health Research website at crhr.med.ubc.ca, or it's kind of long, so just type crhr at ubc into Google, and we'll pop up that way too. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify if you search for CRHR or the Center for Rural Health Research. Thank you for listening, and stay safe out there.